Three. Two. Two. One. One. Let it ride. Let it ride. Yo, Dunny, we're back in the chateau and there's only one thing to do. What's that? Let it ride. Let, let, let it ride. Yeah. What about in life when you don't have an option but to let it ride? Is let it ride still the salient comment to make in that moment? I believe so. This is where the whole thing came from, right? It, well, it absolutely is. And you believe so and I believe not. I, <laughs> I don't think you need to yeah. name the thing that has to happen. Yeah. Well, I think in that you can create extra layers of suffering or just let it ride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just let her ride. Man, it's good to be here in the chateau, though. It is. I'm feeling good. very conflicted these days. How so? Uh, on one hand, fall weather in Flagstaff, man. Does it get any better? Ah, uh, it's gorgeous out there. Yeah. You been able to get out at all? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just had a great ride yesterday yeah. um, out mountain biking up Brook Bank, uh, and it wasn't very crowded. It's really? Surprising. Yeah. It was great. The ground was tacky. The leaves were stuck to the ground. The leaves were on the trees mm. still. Um, just a variety of colors and then just flying through it kind of in that flow state. It was uh, amazing. That sounds, yeah, that sounds incredible. Yeah. What we about got, you? Yeah, we got up into uh, Inner Basin, took the girls up there. It was on the day yeah. that it snowed, actually. So, well, it snowed that Monday night. Yeah. You know? So the day before, like the day, the day before. of and yeah. then the night it snowed. So we kind of watched the storm roll in, but mm-hmm. it was like the height of the leaves in in their color. Mm-hmm. It was just S- incredible. Still on the trees. and Yeah, still on the trees. And then so my wife went back up a few days later and said that they're there all down, you know. So we yeah. we uh, got there in that sweet spot, which is great. I think the last couple of years we've been late getting up there. So yeah. it was nice to see the leaves in you there. You hit it on time. Boom. Yeah. Sometimes you get lucky in life, Daniel. Hashtag punctual Cody. Punctual Cody. Not a thing. <laughs> yeah. Not, <laughs> Not a, a hashtag. Thing. Not a hashtag. <laughs> Another thing yeah. about fall. How about them Cardinals? Ooh, man. I am so disappointed you brought them up because <laughs> now they're going to lose. <laughs> Yeah. I've been waiting to bring them Man. up, knowing that that's just going to put you in your cynical fandom. Dear, yeah, so they are 6-0 and at the time of this recording, right? They have a game here in a few hours yeah. against the Houston Texans. Yep. Conventional wisdom says they should probably go seven zero based on what the Texans are doing this year and what the Cardinals are doing, right? <laughs> oh man, there's every Sunday. I was just like, they're gonna lose. This is it. This is the, yeah. All I see is an iceberg. Your facial expressions are killing me. You just yeah. no, no, no hope at all. We've done this. Well, we have not done this before in my lifetime. I saw that they last time they were six and zero or something like that was in the early seventies. Yeah, so this is all new territory. So maybe just in that newness and the uncertainty, I just default to cynicism. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll see what they could do, man. You know, you know how I feel about that team. I, I love them and absolutely hate them. <laughs> oh man. Well, yeah. So fall weather leaves yeah. out. Cardinals playing football. Yeah. Actually, looking good you have no hope that will continue (laughs) so that's all positive right that's on one hand yeah yeah and i'm just absolutely in grief right now yeah right what'd you lose well we uh i think we lost ted lasso man we did lose ted lasso season two is final yeah yeah and if you think about it like they've only written three seasons they only plan to record three seasons so you're 66 percent of the way through with that whole joint yeah, man. So we got one season left. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. Solo Unamas. Yeah. Ted Lasso. So quickly, though, what'd you make a season two? I was good. Yeah? 
Yeah, I I liked it. I I did have a hard time with those two episodes that didn't <laughs> progress the storyline. Beard and Christmas. Yeah, yeah beard and Christmas. Kind of strange. Yeah. And the beard one. Yeah, it was like a trip, and <laughs> I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. So. <laughs> It was kind of like watching you in stress, though. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just as disoriented and yeah. overwhelmed by everything. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty similar. Yeah. yeah. There was Beard, I will say there there are moments where I, I relate so much to Beard. Mm-hmm. One of one of the, the, the moments that most represents that is when him and Jamie have interactions all together. Yeah. Jamie Tart. Yeah. Um, but specifically when they have interactions and it's just the two of them, like there were a couple of times where Jamie would come into the office and coach beard was the only one there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Jamie has no idea how to start that dialogue Mm -hmm. and coach beard is actually perfectly comfortable allowing Jamie to feel that uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I love those moments. And he's squaring his book. Yeah. Yeah. Just reading his book. (laughs) That really is you. Yeah. Yeah. That's spot on. And didn't one time he tell Jamie, (laughs) Jamie misused a term or something (laughs) when Jamie was leaving. He said, you should probably go read about that. You should probably go look that up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Also you. Coach Beard, my guy. So true. Yeah. Beard and Dunny. One in the same. Yeah. That's so true. So what'd you make of it? Oh man, it was good. I really enjoyed it, right? Much different than first season, Mm -hmm. right? First season felt very lighthearted. Second season, and like you're saying, they're doing those three, right? So in this season, it seemed like they were really developing these points of conflict. Conflict, yeah. Yeah, really getting into some some interesting uh, issues for the characters. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed... One thing for me um, was the the influence of like mental health right mm-hmm. and him and his relationship with sharon and um just kind of seeing the the aspects oh, of yeah. how that developed over time i thought was really interesting it was it was super yeah. humorous in the start of the season and yeah. then so much depth as it developed yeah. between those two for yeah. sure and and then i was really glad to see ted kind of uh finally own his experience right like mm-hmm. in talking about mental health with athletes and the press conference and that sort of thing and mm-hmm. um one moment too for me with the psychologist was when she says the truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. Yes. Like I'm like, man, that is it. That is so. Uh, that is it. You're right? gonna hang on to that. Same. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that, man. There's a lot of. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. So it's cool to see her introduce that into Ted's life, and then when he finally used that, I guess. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. That's yeah. Cool. You you kind of called me out for making a prediction that I wouldn't totally own up to, but it wasn't a huge stretch. <laughs> yeah. But that was that um, early in the season, right? There yeah. was all that stuff going on with Jamie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Ted's got a lot of daddy issues. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, uh, yeah. That makes him want to step in and compensate for Jamie on Jamie's behalf. Totally. Yeah. Uh, that was the prediction. And in fact, he had a lot of daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. Lost his dad to suicide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, you're spot on, man, but not just his relationship with his dad. There's like several, right. Jamie oh, yeah. And his dad, yeah. uh, Rebecca and her dad. Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, there's a common theme in the, uh, in the season. Tesh, Ted Lasso yeah. equals hashtag, uh, daddy issues. Daddy issues. Yeah. It's awesome. Man. I'm really looking forward to the next season. See what it brings yeah. up. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, sports psychology and athletes, yeah. what do we got on the docket oh, today? Oh, come on. Jamal. Jamal. Today we're going beyond flag uh, with Shannon Thompson, a sports psychology and mental performance consultant with Hypo2, which is a sport management organization centered around a world-renowned altitude training program right here in Flagpole, Arizona. Nice, nice. Yeah. They're, they're part of the reason those world-class athletes come here, huh? 
Yeah, no doubt. And then they go out to their respective parts of the world and perform well. Yeah. Right here in Flagpole. Yeah. Unreal. So Shannon, a Canadian transplant, earned her bachelor's degree in psychology from? True. True. Not false. <laughs> true. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So true. That's the one a and school. Only. The one and only. That's true. where you get that truth, dropping that truth. Boom. Thompson Rivers University, located uh, in Kamloops, BC, Canada. TRU. I see. Yeah. Hashtag go Wolfpack. Ah, they're the Wolfpack? The Wolfpack. Yeah. Yeah. Did you, is that where you got it from? <clears throat> got the Wolfpack? No, we spell it, we, we get rid of the C in our Wolfpack. It's just P A K. <laughs> they spell theirs correctly. Yeah, no time to waste. <laughs> yeah. Wolfpack. Yeah. It's valuable time or letters. <laughs> yeah. No one needs a C in that word. Oh, man. So uh, she earned this bachelor's degree, though. This was after a professional career in three day eventing, which is the equivalent of an equestrian triathlon. What do you know about three day eventing? Oh, three day eventing? Yeah. You ask? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's uh, just a, it's a sport where they have dressage, cross country, and show jumping. Usually, dressage is the first event that they cover over a couple of days, and then they alternate between going cross country and show jumping and yeah. horse riding. Why do you ask? Oh man, well, I thought this might be the one thing I'd be able to stump you on, but Enneagram Five over there literally knows everything about all. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like an equestrian <laughs> Olympic event. What? Like, what do you mean? Yeah, I, well. Uh, I certainly don't know what three-day eventing was. When I saw that, I was thinking Neil Weintraub. That's probably a three-day event. Is setting up a race and it turns into a three-day pizza party and, and a bunch of empty kegs. Yeah, that's 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 three-day three eventing. eventing. Yeah, yeah, come on, <laughs> these equestrian Olympic sports got nothing yeah. on Neil Neil Weintraub's race race prep. Yeah, he wrote the book on three-day eventing for sure. Yeah, man. So after earning her bachelor's degree, Shannon found herself. Uh, taking a great interest in positive psychology, which if you follow that track, you're going to find yourself in one place. Well, if you're top of if you're top of the top, That's if good. you're a high achiever, you're going to hand up a UPenn. Ah, UPenn. A Selig man. That's right. Hashtag go. Uh, is it Quakers? Quaker Oats. Come on. Yeah, go Quakers. So she went from the Wolfpack to yeah, the Quakers. To the Quakers, man. Yeah. That's a big leap. That's a big leap. Found herself in the Ivy League, though, just looking up to the big sky. <laughs> man. Any of you Harvard of the West? Harvard of the West, man. So at UPenn, though. So, so doesn't that make Harvard NAU of the East? Absolutely. If they're looking up to the big sky? Yeah, if anyone from Harvard finds yourself referencing yourself as a student of NAU of the East, <laughs> hit us up. We'd like to talk with you a little bit. Oh, man. It's so, so sh she went to UPenn, which is a real Ivy League school. A true Ivy League school. Yeah. Like you were saying, you got to be at the top of the you're cream of the crop here to go to UPenn because <laughs> you're going to study under who? Angela Duckworth, right? Oh, man. So Seligman, Duckworth. Seligman, exactly. So these big names in our field. Yeah. And so Shannon studied under Angela Duckworth, who's the famous author of the book Grit. You could also find her TED Talk online. Mm -hmm. And uh, Shannon earned her master's degree in applied positive psychology which mm -hmm. is the science of human flourishing and high achievement. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised mm -hmm. they haven't taken a closer look at uh, our lives, huh, Dan? <laughs> As case studies for what not to do. <laughs> yeah. Here's where you go wrong. Here's where you go wrong. Here's where you go wrong. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. True that. So thankfully, but after uh, finishing her master's degree and uh, finishing up her time as a Quaker, Shannon came out west, brought her talents to FLG, where now she trains athletes in mental performance at Hypo 2 from around the world, and then also Division One athletes from Harvard of the West. In addition to her consulting work, she conducts psychological research on the critical challenge 
and teaches university classes at NAU on sports science and emotional wellness. I think we might have ourselves a high achiever on our hands, huh? You think? I think. Yeah, man. Man. A three? Three on the Enneagram? Maybe, maybe we got some threes. Maybe some three tendencies at least, if not just an all all out three. Just spending a little bit of time there at the very least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, just, and also, yeah, just real asset to our community, right? Yeah. Yeah. We really hope you enjoy this interview. A lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy. It's a lot of fun sitting with Shannon. Yeah. So thanks for tuning in as we go beyond flag with Shannon Thompson. Welcome to Beyond Flag, a Beyond the Pines production, created by, with, and for the people of Flagstaff, building connection in the town we love. We are your hosts, Dr. Daniel J. Phillips, and Cody Bayless, also known as Dr. Chinchilla Nice Nice. Thanks for tuning in as we go Beyond Flag, straight from the dunny of our observatory. All right, here we are, back in it. In Le Chateau. Le Chateau. And across from us, we have Sean, Shannon Thompson. I'm so excited. Yeah, nice to meet you, Shannon. Well, nice to be here. Nice to meet you, too. Yeah, thanks for swinging by the Le Chateau and risking your reputation. This, yeah. is, a big, this is a big thing. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. No, I, I admire it. It was really, yeah, I, when I walked in, I thought this is, this is a nice spot. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks yeah. for joining us today. Yeah. And so um, if we could jump in just with a little bit about what do you do f- from day to day? Because you encounter here in Flagstaff, we have a lot of elite professional athletes around town, uh, kind of humbling the rest of us locals out on the trails and such. What is it that you do from day to day currently? Day to day routine, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, it, it often starts with going for a run and yep, you know, humbling is right. Um, my one fun thing about my morning run is, is uh, I would say a couple mornings a week, it's usually with one of the athletes that I'm working with. Like I do something called run talks. So we'll either like run locally around Foots Trails or the single track around um, Mars Hill there, or we'll even sometimes drive out to some of the higher mountain trails and go for runs up there. So I was just, she was just up Lockett Meadow and down Waterline and back down Lockett this past week with, with an athlete. And so um, the days usually start running and usually a couple of days a week, it's with one of them. And then, then I'm usually late. First, I'm usually, and I'm, I'm rushing to look presentable for <laughs> whoever I'm supposed to be sitting down in a room with. And, uh, and I usually, most days probably have a, a couple meetings with athletes, um, early in the day. And then, um, most days have, we'll have, uh, one session, which are called focus sessions, which are like team sessions that are 20 to 30 minutes long. And then usually another, maybe another meeting with an athlete and then, I don't know. Usually I haven't eaten anything. And so I'm like, <laughs> you know, try to find something to eat. And, yeah. um, and then I, yeah, kind of head home and make notes or read something. So that's, that's typically, that's how a typical day goes. Yeah. I do teach, um, a couple classes at NAU. So Tuesday mornings and Thursday mornings, uh, are teaching at 8am and a 9:35 class. So that, that would break the routine, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Those running talks, how cool is that? And so you get to ask questions so they can be out of breath instead of you being out of breath. Well, right? this is where it's humbling, right? Because I got to get them to slow down. <laughs> yeah. But they're great. They do. Like one, one thing, some of them are so good at knowing what my pace is and they'll just go that pace. And they're, they're so kind that they never make me feel like it 
is on the slow side for them, you know? So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, like w- usually we go and, um, you just ask them kind of what's on your mind this week or how did that race go or how did this thing go mm-hmm. we were talking about last week or we share stories of common interests and that kind of stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah. No, and it's just, it's efficient. Like, um, I do run talks mostly with NAU athletes actually. And I think they're just, they're really busy. So they, but they've got to get their mileage in like their morning mileage. And mm-hmm. so having their talk with me out running is really efficient. Mm-hmm. And, um, and a lot of them feel more comfortable like out running side by side and telling me stuff too, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I know some of them just prefer it. It's more comfortable for them to share whatever's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, like that. So mm-hmm. I do bike talks too. Every so often people, uh, well, honestly, they don't want to slow. That's not true. They just ask for a bike talk with me on the bike and them running instead of me running. And <laughs> those are actually even easier on me. So, sure. so, uh, yeah, so sometimes I do bike talks too. Yeah. I was wondering what are some of the benefits of doing the bike or run talks versus maybe being in the office, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think the number one benefit, well, there's a few benefits. One, um, some of the athletes have just flat out said they're they experience anxiety sitting down and kind of like talking face mm-hmm. to face, whereas going out and moving, they don't. And they're kind of able to be who they want to be a little more out there, or be more as open as they want to be out there. So I'd say that's the the number one benefit um, for those guys that are so busy. I think really the time is also a benefit feeling they can kind of multitask a little bit, like get their run done and talk to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some, um, I actually know quite a lot of the high trails very well and not all of them do. So I can also be a trail guide and I like that, that and I also have a car. Yeah. So <laughs> sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes that's a, that's a benefit. Um, it's just a pleasure. I, I, you know, especially like, yeah, it's just, it's just a, I don't know. It's a, I always feel so grateful when I'm done one of those too. And I, I hope they do as well, just to be able to like work out in this beautiful space and, mm-hmm. and on an early morning. And it's just, it's just, you feel grateful for being able to have that time like that with them in those places. So uh, I'd say that's a benefit too. Not, of course, I feel grateful talking one-on-one as well, but it's just kind of, kind of, it's just extra cool. Oh yeah. yeah. Do that in the mountains versus the office. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I imagine for athletes too that's that's kind of their comfortable setting is to be doing something active yeah i feel like when i'm out there too it's a little more it's just a little lighter and back and forth too like i find that i'll talk more i'll I'll say hey what's going on what's going on in my week you know it's Mm -hmm. almost a little more um like friendly like Mm -hmm. not like as opposed to okay i'm a professional and you're Mm -hmm. here and we're gonna like Mm -hmm. you know focus entirely on you Mm -hmm. i think that the anecdotally I think I get a hair lighter Mm -hmm. which I think sometimes is good for some of them Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but um yeah I I can't say I've noticed but usually once they start doing run talks they don't want to do anything else so it'll be we'll have a few sit downs and then they start the run talks and it's not can we have a meeting this week it's can we go for a run this week Mm -hmm. um so that's that's one thing I've noticed Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah yeah it seems like a major um benefit in that way and i would think it would also i guess i'd wonder what it's like for you also do you prefer the run talk or do you prefer sitting in the office is there any difference there i definitely if i'm gonna have to work i prefer sitting in the office yeah like if i'm gonna have to work mentally Mentally. hard to try to figure something out or come up with a plan or really like kind of like 
understand something deeply, I, I know I suffer for the mm-hmm. rental <laughs> because it's just hard. Like, you know, I think when you're working at all yourself, I think you know, our cognition, I feel like mine is a mm-hmm. little bit d- diminished. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's much, I think it's probably more about them than about me. Right. And so oftentimes then I'll go away and I'll think about the conversation and I, mm-hmm. I might, plan more what I want to say mm-hmm. the next time about that thing we talked about mm-hmm. last time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, uh, if efficiency, fun, uh, is be- run talks are better, um, for me too. Mm-hmm. Lightness, like, um, maybe, maybe bonding you could say too, sure. but for actually thinking, mm-hmm. sitting down is better. So just qualitative differences yes. in, in kind of the dynamic of the two. Um, and now athletes that work with you, if you insist on an office session, they know you're going to work through the mental grinder. Well, it's just, it's more so, yeah, that I'm just noticing there's something that like, I don't know, I got to think more deeply about and I got to, and I maybe, maybe, or if it's something I know I'm going to struggle to explain, Mm -hmm. like if it's, you know, I, I, am going to struggle to be clear because maybe I'm only grasping my whole theory, barely myself. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm going to have to work, I need to stop or sit down and mm-hmm. so yeah like the, the 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 giveaway would be that i'm this is hard for me like like that's why we gotta sit down is because mm-hmm. i got to do this well i need to not be running mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah do you have that same experience dan we so we try to do a lot of outdoor counseling nice. and walk and talks and what we do as well do you have an experience with that with with walking versus in yeah. office well listening to you the one thought that did come to mind was i think it would be different doing something active like running or biking because um our mind just consists of either walking or sitting outside yes somewhere. and so i think that mental exertion i'm still capable to do that i do think it'd be different running though yeah. um because when you were talking about the cognitive aspect of working with a client and working on your conceptualization and what direction you want to go like at the end of a day right like yeah i feel cognitively depleted i think was the yeah. word you were used yeah. right like yeah it's tiring yeah for sure yeah so in my walk and talks i think um I'm not running with athletes <laughs> through the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yes. I think the same kind of thing, a lot less exertion. Um, I find also in outdoors, there's more distraction potentially. Yeah. So especially if we go on the foots or something yeah. like that, there's maybe someone will run into or that yeah. kind of thing. But I do feel the benefits for sure yeah. of being outdoors yeah. and sitting with somebody. And then, and then those distractions, they can be uh, beneficial or not. Sometimes I've worked with people with cognitive reframing or refocusing and the benefit of seeing the mountain Mm -hmm. or looking at an animal actually provides the opportunity for them to you know let go of something they're preoccupied with or dwelling on that's interesting um and so and then sometimes you'll be in the midst of something and i'll realize a client has tried to use something to get out of (laughs) interesting interesting it's not like an inherently good or bad thing right it's just depending on the dynamic and the moment of the session Yeah. yeah but even in that then you could name that thing anyhow yeah. I just noticed this yeah. or that you yeah. noticed this yeah. when I asked you this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so it is interesting. I think I also really related to you, Shannon, and what you said, just an immense gratitude when you're outside, there's just a qualitative element of, wow, this is such a beautiful place Yeah, we live in. And the things that we worry about really, um, it puts them to scale a little bit. And so I, I, I really relate to you also feeling grateful those times that i get outside with clients yeah 
Yeah. Um, in switching gears for a sec, I was curious, you mentioned teaching a couple courses at NAU. Uh, which courses do you teach and some of the content? Yeah, right now I teach um, a little health sciences course called HS200. Okay. And if any, any of you, uh, a student listens to this podcast, they're probably going to have taken that course. Like it's, <laughs> it's a prereq for a whole bunch of different majors. Uh-huh. Um, and I've got like 70 kids in each class. So it's like bulk students through, you know, and, uh, yeah. but the course is, uh, I, I call, I call it good hearted. It's just, it's, it is, it's a super good hearted course. Like it's very much an intro course. It's a course you suggest freshmen take because it just tries to develop good, um, college habits but it's 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 also referred to as being an inch deep and a mile wide Mm. in that we will cover nutrition in an hour then we will cover exercise in an hour then we will you know so it's just it gives them a sampling of a whole bunch of different topics Mm -hmm. um but it's good-hearted and i think it gives them a uh, sampling of these topics and uh, they can see if they so one catches their interest. I think a lot of times people just entering college maybe they haven't picked a major yet. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's uh, and it's applicable. You know, I, it, the, the intention of the course is to be real life applicable. And um, I try to like make my sections as interesting and engaging and like fun as possible. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I have a, a student athlete who um has made a total 180 in school as my ta this year and it's just like the best thing so Mm -hmm. cool watching him own his part Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. help students who were like him and Mm -hmm. so that's just a personal side that right now makes teaching so fun Mm -hmm. this year Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and then in the summer i'm actually going to be teaching a course on emotional wellness um and so that'll be a first so that's it right now that sounds very cool yeah 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 very valuable probably so i'm curious what's it like having the students uh back on campus Mm. and i don't know if you taught that same class last year but yeah what's that adjustment been like with them coming back from covid yeah um what's it been like i mean i i mean at first i think for everybody it was a little shocking to all be in a big space together i remember my first class like it's pretty much to capacity Mm -hmm. so everybody shoulder to shoulder albeit wearing masks i think everyone was just a little like whoa we haven't done this in a long time is is it okay so there was a bit of that Mm -hmm. um i feel like we've all pretty quickly shifted into it being normal again Mm -hmm. um i know for me when i was teaching on zoom i could have my notes in front of me and no one knew so (laughs) so there's been a shift back to geez i got like do this you know without reading off a screen the whole class (laughs) which is something i was doing (laughs) Um, in everything i do that was a that was a shift um it's funny i I found myself so like i found so i'll have requests now though that i wouldn't have had pre-covid it'll be like oh it's snowing outside can we all come on zoom it's Mm -hmm. you know that that kind of stuff or um yeah and and uh Snowing outside, can we all come on Zoom and stuff like that? And I don't know. I, I I don't know. I've been asking myself a lot, like, what do I want to uphold regarding like class and school and stuff mm-hmm. like that? And I, I, uh, it's funny. I found myself being like, no, like, no, like, if it's snowing, and as long as it's not dangerous, like, mm-hmm. let's come to class because mm-hmm. I, I do think there's something like the integrity of school, the value of school is be, is being together. So as long as we're not going to get hurt on the way there, and we're not gonna get each other sick. We presume we're all healthy. You're like, no, let's, let's, let's come to class. And so, yeah, there's requests that I wouldn't have had, 
um, Zoom related requests, which you can understand when, yeah, you yeah. know, but um, that's one thing I've noticed. Qualitatively, what do you think happens in that shared space in person versus not? Like, how did you come to that conclusion oh, as yeah. you thought it out? Man, I don't think I thought it out that hard. I think <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had, I think I was just like, no, like school's about coming together. No, like and coming in, yeah, you know, like yeah, that was kind yeah. of my, that was my instinct. Yeah. Um, I think there, I just think there's value in getting up and leaving the house and being with other people yeah. and, uh, and, and, and engaging together, you know, and man, qualitatively, I think I'm more, I, if I, now I know you make me think about it. Um, <laughs> I think there's like an energetic benefit, you know, like of us being in a space together again, as long as we're not going to make people sick and, um, even for those who feel stressed, like a bit socially anxious or, um, I, I mean, I, I just have a belief that it's overall healthy to have periods in your day where you need to be among others. And, um, so yeah, so I, I don't know. I feel like it's the first time I felt like old fashioned. It's like, no, this is where we always did it. So you're doing it again, you know, like coming to school, but I don't know. I think there's an energetic benefit to, to being together. And, um, and it's also, it's a little bit of a pain as a teacher to be zooming and recording and sending mm. links and trying to give a good lecture to mm -hmm. somebody on zoom mm -hmm. at the same time you're trying to give a good lecture to somebody on in real life. So yeah. I prefer to just fully engage with the mm -hmm. class mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, for sure. It, it seems the pandemic really normalized the virtual meeting yep. experience. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, I do miss like the pajama pants or run shorts and a work shirt yep. experience for sure. But <laughs> Other than that, yeah, there's definitely something different about meeting with people in person. Yes. I'd say. Um, and then with that, I was wondering, so emotional wellness was one of the courses that you said is coming up that you haven't taught yet? Yeah. Are you in the process of building the curriculum Yeah, board? I was just thinking to myself, I should ask you guys for resources. <laughs> <laughs> like, quite yeah. seriously. That's, Co that's Cody's territory. Really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I should, no, no, I yeah. would really like that because I have a couple... Uh, resources that have been of value to me, like just my own life. And then I've used in my own work, but in order to make the course as good as it could be, like, yeah, I'm designing yeah. it from scratch and I haven't started. So, okay. uh, I oh, actually cool. really could use some resources. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah. We could come yeah. up with that for sure. Cool. I was going to say if it's a, uh, if it's a course on thinking, Dan will be your guy. Okay. Just thinking. Yeah, yeah. we're kind of like uh, like the two of us equate to one actual psychologist. That's all, how fun is that though, <laughs> yeah. right? That works out. Yeah, you get that's it. so yeah. cool. It's it's kind of disappointing for our clients because they're only getting half the <laughs> half of it at a time. Yeah. But then we can consult with one another. And I can be like, oh yeah, emotions. Yeah. But so what would the left brain do with this? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but don't you find like some clients just lean so hard on wanting to think uh, and yeah. out, and then others yeah. are just like, they get nothing from that. So yeah. how neat that they have both of you, you know, <laughs> to you guys collaborate yeah. or yeah. that you'll be like, you know, I think you'd be better suited to my colleague. <laughs> that's a, yeah. that's a good reframe on your part. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very generous too. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. No, mostly I just have to be conscientious of not colluding with someone using their rationalization and intellect intellectualizing of something interesting yeah interesting yeah so um yeah what a cool opportunity so what aspects have you have you come across any outlines yet for the curriculum for that emotional wellness or well this is where i get self-conscious because <laughs> my background is yeah. not a phd in psychology but so I'll tell you where I'm leaning and maybe you'll see where what, we, I think we often tend to lean a bit towards what we're like, right? Or what yeah. kind of has helped us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, I um, 
I was exposed to the work of a fellow called Jeffrey Schwartz. Do you guys know who I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. He's a neuroscientist slash therapist. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know. And he's got the work on disruptive, he calls them disruptive brain messages Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. interpreting um, our emotional reactivity as in part like um, an overactive brain circuit essentially Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of noticing that and then reorienting our attention um, not getting like stuck in that dialogue and argument and so on on reorienting our attention on um, something that serves who we want to be. So I enjoyed his, I've enjoyed his stuff. And then there's another psychologist work that I enjoyed a lot. Uh, Tara Brock. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I bet her. I looked at you because yeah. I was like, I bet you're, if you're emotion yeah. focused, you will like her stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I've just personally benefited so much from her work mm-hmm. and like her three books and then her approach. Um, so I'd like to draw from some of her stuff. There's another book I was given and I haven't read and maybe I can ask for your approval or disapproval before I <laughs> ju- before I jump into it. But it's Dude. a book called How Emotions yeah. Are Made. That's a jam. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I will read that. A friend of mine sent it to me and was like, yeah. you have to read this. Yeah. And so I was planning to draw from that. Cool. But please tell me like what else? It, uh, what else should I, well, should I read? That, that's, that book took me like a year. To get really? through. Yeah, it's super dense and she's the best, right? Yeah. She's the best. It, like for me, like uh that's the most helpful book for me related to emotions because she uses so much uh medical research okay. and neuroscience in it and yeah. really yeah, explains it so well, so in depth. Like different than like a mile wide and inch deep it's like mm-hmm. uh inch wide mile deep yeah. numerous times yeah yeah, like yeah. 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 she yeah. goes through it all yeah it, she's the best that's that would be the person to start with i would for sure yeah. that's okay. really an understanding emotions and how they're constructed okay and she talks about predictive processing and that kind of thing okay um but i think from like a mindfulness-based perspective like tara rock stuff's really great yeah um Emotional Agility by Susan David would be a good one as okay, well. Okay, okay. Yeah, she's great. Awesome. Um, she has a cool accent too. If you get a if you get a chance to listen to listen, her on the podcast okay. or something, yeah, she's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that'll be great stuff for the kids. Yeah, you you aptly just uh, diverted the question back to us two times. <laughs> yeah, well so. done. Well, do you guys ever get to people talking to you and you're like, no, 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 like you know, it's not you. You know, you you want to be reciprocal, right? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but I actually am legitimately yeah. interested because I haven't oh, started cool. the mm-hmm. co- the curriculum and I kind of just got. Yeah. the like for sure yes last week on the course so yeah, yeah. i was like you better start because i actually mm. did design a course on performance psychology mm. and it, it just didn't get a lot of interest like it still exists but um it's not being offered right now at any of you okay. so but it took a lot of time to design it so yeah, wow. i was like man i gotta get on this if i want it for summer 20 so mm-hmm. knowing that book took you a year i better get it, going <laughs> yeah get get the cliff notes version or the yeah <laughs> it's for me it was super dense did you the take you that same kind of i don't think it took me that long but i want to go back to it like i think there's i think it's one of those that there'll always be pieces to it and i think it's the foundation of uh, knowledge base moving forward about emotions really okay okay reframing of emotions so yeah great stuff that you could spend time with um in variable degrees yeah so you mentioned having designed a course though in performance psychology, right? And that's kind of the thing that's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what, what all went into that course? What were some of the things that you covered? Yeah. Oh man. I, it was, a. I probably remember it was a while ago I designed it and I haven't taught it in a few years because yeah. it hasn't, it hasn't attracted enough interest. Um, we talked about motivation. So we did self-determination, like self-determination theory. Mm-hmm. We did, um, goal setting. So, um, 
lock, I guess, goal setting. Mm -hmm. We did um, deliberate practice. So Erickson's work on deliberate practice, um, optimism, Seligman's work on optimism, mm -hmm. uh, flow, Shiksemihai stuff on flow. Um, we did meditation. And man, I think I probably was looking at John Kabat-Zinn stuff then. I haven't so much now, but just like the benefits of meditation and um we did, we dove a little bit into meaning. So looked a little bit at like Victor Frankl's stuff on meaning. Um, did some basic like mental performance strategies, like visualization, some relaxation techniques, um, a mental performance plan. Uh, what else did we do? I we, want to take this course. Creativity. This out, yeah. creativity, creativity. We did creativity and innovation, um, oh, yeah. which I drew mostly from, this is like not even first or secondary resource, but third. I but I took a lot from Adam Grant's book Originals, mm -hmm. yeah. um, oh, cool. and and then Connection. We we and pro, so God, I can't remember what I drew from for Connection. Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but we had a little bit on Connection too, like the benefits of Connection, mm -hmm. like interpersonal connection and, mm -hmm. and on on performance. Yeah. But yeah, the course, man, it's like stagnating it's just like Man. on a shelf yeah, yeah. dan That's and i are looking crazy. at each other just baffled like <laughs> i I'm, feel pretty ready to enroll oh, in your yeah. course right now i, I know, know. I know. Yeah. it's uh it's uh um i honestly think the issue is just the way that it had to be at, and advertised probably not the right word in the course yeah. catalog but it would you had to pretty much know it exists to find it mm -hmm. so it wasn't like you just Google psych or search mm. psychology and it would pop yeah. up. It's actually in the fitness wellness department. It's mm. called FW 299 special talk. You literally have to know it exists and go looking for mm. it. So, and then, so it's just, it's, it kills me a little bit that it's not more accessible. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. But, we're just going to send a direct message to uh, NAU real quick and say, <laughs> you're missing you're an opportunity here. NAU? Yeah. 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 What are you doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the cantankerous old man. It's like kids. Kids these days. Kids these yeah, days. Kids, exactly. Sign up for this phenomenal class. Kids these days, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, the content of that course sounds, I mean, all of it sounds amazing. You mentioned getting a little bit into strategies and that sort of thing. I was wondering when you work with athletes, do you have, there's like a general sort of framework that you operate from and then is it individualized in any any other way? Oh working? yeah, man, it's so funny. When I first started, I have to tell you, when I first started in this work, I was like, you have to have a system. And uh yeah. I never developed a, a I never did develop a system. It was usually more so kind of uh, athlete by athlete, kind of listening to them and then drawing from whatever kind of I had mm -hmm. lurking around in my library. Um, I would say if I have a a, a, a method, it's very aligned with the, the person centered approach. I guess mm -hmm. you'd say like a Carl, like more of a Carl Rogers style mm -hmm. approach. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like that was like kind of my natural style, but then I. Um, when I, I, early on in my work, I realized, I, I realized I needed more counseling skills cause I just didn't, cause just from the stuff that was being brought to me. So I went to, um, the San Diego Institute for integrative studies and got, um, a con like some condensed, some graduate level counseling and mm -hmm. they operate from the person centered approach, which mm -hmm. I didn't even know mm -hmm. when I went there. So I was so excited, like I couldn't have gone to a more suited school program oh, cool, cool um so so yeah the way that i typically work is just like um asking to start with like asking the athlete like you know what brought you here and we start with that of course and then um trying to draw on their instincts and experiences and and strengths and um clarifying who they want to be and like working towards working towards that as far as methods um 
Matt, I, 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 I started to clarify that I kind of operate from trying to find both perspectives and practices for people. So like perspectives and helping them see, see their sport, see their circumstance from a angle that serves them as opposed to maybe doesn't maybe start with something like that. And then practices, I do a lot of meditation type practices. So like, um, start with focus on the breath, but then we'll kind of go in a number of different ways. I go, Tara Brack is probably my biggest influence when it comes to practices. Um, I do a lot of, Hey, let's rec- recognize her. She's got her rain method. I I've modified it just a little bit. Um, but like almost, almost everything I do is like recognize what's happening. Um, what is real? Let's tap into through your sense, like through your senses and then accept. And then, um, ask yourself, what are you believing? And then, um, my best little fun thing right now is who would you be without that belief? Like, mm-hmm. and then what would you do? You know, how, what would you say that? That's like yeah. the moment go to right now. If any of my athletes here in this, they're like, they do that. She doesn't love everybody. It's like <laughs> right now. It's like, so it's it's unique for everyone, yeah. right? It is. Because what they're believing or what they're feeling or yeah. what they're be able to, uh, tune to what they're feeling. All of that's unique. It is unique. And, and oftentimes like when they'll suggest to do it or how, or how to frame it or where we'll start. Like some of them will be like, Hey, let's go all through let's go through the whole the whole i i've modified it the there's a rain but mine is r-a-n-f which is a terrible acronym and doesn't actually have it. Wait, <laughs> oh come on it. ramp ramp I, yeah it's, I that's not a lot yeah. it's horrible it's like, <laughs> yeah. not but, too far from but, the city in canada right ramp, yeah yeah, canada, yeah really yeah. well i um yeah so i uh need i would love a real nice pretty acronym like yeah. rain, like rain but just the steps like i combined some of Jeffrey Swartz stuff with Tara Brack stuff and just with my oh, population. Cool. That's yeah. why it's Ramp. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just own it. Yeah, I love it's, it. Ramp. It's Ramp. Yeah. South of Bamp. <laughs> oh of my Bamp. gosh, that's yeah. so funny. I should call it. Yeah. But yeah. it's funny. I, and I, I intended to find a better name, but you, you know when you don't yeah. want to like diminish this, the message, like you don't want to, you don't want to like warp them what they're supposed to do in that step around to fit yeah, an yeah. acronym so i was like no no, no. Yeah, we're yeah. gonna so it's recognize accept nurture focus yeah 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 and um and 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 so i was like i'll change it i'll change it but now the athletes are like yeah i know i should use ramp and whatever i'm like shoot <laughs> it's here to stay <laughs> nah, <laughs> you gotta reframe yeah. like, real, yeah, real fast yeah yeah, yeah, yeah before yeah. like because they're just starting to actually Try this stuff. Oh, no, uh, yeah. so. I say own it. I say go with ramp and yeah. run. Yeah, Just, I hope they spread it. Yeah, that's amazing. Ramp, ramp. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's it's uh it's almost well almost they're almost I almost work entirely with runners. So yeah. so ran F is almost it's just silly. It's not my proudest thing. <laughs> yeah. But <Ramp. laughs> so so you're man, what cool experiences you have day to day now. You you work with athletes sometimes out out of the office, sometimes in the office. You. Teach teach you create these courses you get to engage new content um, you're even engaging new courses which creates uh, a focus on different curriculum for you um, how did you end up here like yeah what led you in this direction oh yeah so this is a funny start look we can make it really long or we can make it medium or we can make it short I'll, I'll go for the shortish side <laughs> feel free to ask for ex- expansion um, uh, yeah uh, in anything but um yeah, so I, you know, probably like you guys, I get people asking once in a while, like, "Hey, what was your career path? What was your yeah. academic path?" Because some of them might want to do what you do, right? And I always say I'm like the best and worst person to ask, um, because 
you shouldn't do try to do it the way I went because it's not it's like <laughs> not recommended. Um, but but I did follow my like I've said I follow my instincts and follow my heart, and I do always advocate for that. So yeah. Um, so yeah. So how to get here? Um, so I rode horses for. A long time I rode horses professionally I don't know I started when I was five but I was probably coaching and riding horses professionally by, by the time I was like 20 21 and so did that you know as a business um trying to go to the Olympics and all that in, in horse sports this doesn't at least in Canada I'm Canadian um it doesn't um uh, to, to ride horses at a high level does not align with going to college. Like you basically would choose one or the other. And so I wanted to ride horses and, and didn't go to college until I was 30. Didn't start my undergrad until I was 30. And, um, so yeah, I rode horses, um, was super passionate about it. Um, really noticed the role of the mind and in training and progress and competing, um, both as a athlete and then also as a coach and just like, man, this is a, such an important element to sport. Um, and then, you know, just got near the end of my equestrian career was for sure getting a little jaded by it, by the horse world and uh, a little bit burnt out. Definitely realizing the lifestyle wasn't the one I wanted forever. Um, and just kind of knew, I knew by that point, probably knew I was, I don't know, 26 or 27 that I was going to want to work in sports psychology because I love the world of, of sport in particular, like high performance sport. Um, but I just didn't want the lifestyle of a professional equestrian athlete anymore. So, uh, I had at the time, a what you call like a upper level horse, which is quite rare. Their, um, horses get injured very easily doing the things that we asked them to do at that level. So I knew how, what a rare thing that was to have that horse. So I wanted to see his career out and, but I was like pretty much burnt out and needed out, you know, within the last two, those last two years. And so when his career came to an end, let's say, um, I tried to do a undergrad as fast and hard as a one can do one because I was <laughs> like 30 and didn't, you know, all my friends too were like doctors and lawyers, all of them, like doctors and lawyers and anesthesiologists and You got to get new friends. I, you know, they're the most <laughs> incredible people like you, you know, like, but I was like this complete anomaly and as far as I was concerned, like not an adult. So yeah. I was like quickly trying to become an adult. So I was like, quick, get a, get a career. Yeah, yeah. And so I did an undergrad as fast and hard as I could, um, through a small school in British Columbia called Thompson rivers university, mm -hmm. which allows you to use just, um, courses from all sorts of different schools. So my undergrad is a conglomeration of online and in person from three different colleges and universities mm -hmm. in British mm -hmm. Columbia. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, I ended up reading a book by Martin Seligman, um, in positive side, the book was called flourish, um, from uh, he's at the university of Pennsylvania and founded the masters in applied positive psychology, which you guys would, you guys would know. Mm -hmm. And I read the book and I was just, I thought to myself, man, like I believe all this stuff, you know, I believe all this stuff, like this notion of, um, uh, you know, well-being is the presence of certain factors and we can cultivate those and, and, um, and that it's, it's diff a little bit different than a, just alleviating distress, which, which of course we need to be doing. But I got really obsessed to be honest with that program and, um, just really saw that as the target, um, the master's in applied positive psychology mm -hmm. program. So, uh, yeah, worked really hard to finish my undergrad as, as fast as I could and applied to that program and got in, um, and then, um, 
yeah, got in and, and it's a hybrid program. So you, you go, you fly out to Philadelphia once a month or so, and you just be back wherever you live for the rest of the time. So it's like online and in person. Um, and there's like six stories associated with this, but, um, (laughs) right around the same time I was trail racing Mm -hmm. and, um, trail run, trail running racing. And I went to a race called the trans Rockies run, which is in Colorado. Mm -hmm. It's like a Flagstaff staple. Like, like there was a a time when a lot of people were going to the trans Rockies run. And, um, I met, this will be a community connection for you. Um, I met Rob Krar, who you guys might know. He's a ultra running, really one of the best ultra runners there have been. And he lives here in Flagstaff and he's also Canadian, which is interesting. And, um, he came up to my friend and I who were racing that race, like on the fourth of six days and said, Hey, you want to come have like lunch with the Flagstaff crew. So we were all starstruck because they're so fast and so good and all this. Right. So, um, my friend and I, we went and had lunch and nachos and all this and we were basically adopted into the Flagstaff crew from that, the rest of the rest of the race. And then Rob was like, Hey, come visit Flagstaff. So, uh, I don't know. I got obsessed with that for, for kind of no unknown reason and no known reason. And I, um, yeah, because I think we you travel a lot and you we all when we travel people say oh come stay with us sometime right like mm-hmm. come visit one day and we rarely really actually do it you know and yeah, I was like yeah. buy my ticket the minute I got back to Vancouver <laughs> I was like buy my ticket to visit to visit Flagstaff Flag. I had a big intuitive feeling about it and um, so I came and visited that winter and then um, was still was was in the process of applying for that master's program the same like the same period of time. Mm-hmm. And then got in and then um, ended up getting a job out in Philadelphia partway through the master's program. And so I drove through Flagstaff on the way to Pennsylvania. <laughs> you know? Just right on the way there. Yeah, that's, I, uh, had such it's like a, a to Z to B. <laughs> it was like such an intuitive pull here, you know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I had friends to stay with. Like my rationale, my rationale was that it was like when I drove to Pennsylvania, it was December. Like it was. Yeah. What we call Boxing Day in Canada. It's mm-hmm. December yeah. the 26th. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, oh, man, I don't want to drive across the Midwest in the winter. I'd rather drop down south and go across. So mm-hmm. it just made sense, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you can justify anything, right? Sure, like, you yeah. can. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But this intuitive poll, you, yeah. you were filling a poll to come visit. Come oh, it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was ridiculous how, how much I wanted to be here and how much I thought. The, the phrase that kept coming to me was like, those people are going to be in your life. And I was like, I don't know how that's possible mm-hmm. because... Um, when I first met them, I think I was 11 courses into an undergrad and like, how is that even going to be possible? I'm Canadian, you know, like you don't just yeah. move somewhere. Um, but I had one foot out the door, um, from the minute I met those people at Trans Rockies and I, I'm from Vancouver. Vancouver is awesome. I never thought I would leave and, um, no, there was a definite pull. And so I came through here and, um, was introduced to again, kind of randomly Sean Anthony at hypo two. Mm-hmm. And he, he just, um, he met with me and I was just basically like, would you consider having me offer mental performance services out of your, out of hypo two for athletes when I graduate? And, um, he, he talked to me. We, we definitely, we thoroughly explored it. Like he yeah. kind of reached out to his people to find out if that would be viable, yeah, you know, if I'd yeah. survive. And I came back, um, in the spring for a weekend and had just a bunch of meetings and to again, see if there was any 
likelihood of survival. Um, and it looked like it was possible. And so after a lot of thought, he's like, yep, come. And I, I still always say like, Sean is like this, I don't know, quiet hero of my life because I never would have survived here. Like without his good reputation, um, his connections at NAU, his like people just gave me a chance because mm -hmm. I was with Hypo 2. So Hypo 2 forever has my debt, I'm in debt to Hypo 2 <laughs> or my thanks or gratitude, you know? Um, so he took a chance, took a big chance on me. And uh, so I came here after I graduated from Masters in Applied Positive Psychology. Mm -hmm. um, but the reason that's like, you know, not necessarily the path people should take is there's like, there's some, there's a lot of risk in that, in that you're not, you're not a certified counselor. You're not a PhD, you know? Um, I remember having a little meltdown partway through that master's program. Cause I was like, shoot, I'm not certified to do anything specific, you know? So am I going to be hireable? And, um, and, uh, so that's the risky, that's kind of the risky side of it. So that's why I call myself a mental performance consultant mm -hmm. because I, um, yeah, that's my, that's my qualification. And, um, yeah. So, so other, you know, obviously there's other routes to go to this, <laughs> this yeah. field. And, um, and I just feel, I feel, I feel really grateful to, uh, have, have been given as many, much work as I have and to have now the experience that I have, mm -hmm. um, Cause it, yeah, it's not, it's not a likely path. Like that's not the path you would take to do. Yeah. Do. And at the same time, all the, the circuitous route that you took informs who you are and yep. how eclectic you can be in what you're doing. Yeah. Yep. Yep. That's awesome. I'd, I'd be really curious. That was such a phenomenal summary. So my apologies if this was like, it's just jumping way back, but at some point, you, you talked about falling in love with sport and I wondered where did your, if you started riding horses at five, where did that transfer to like, this is like, I'm going to become an athlete different mm. than someone who does this thing out of interest and hobby. Well, gosh, I was, yeah. I, um, where did that transition to being a serious athlete? <laughs> this is a bit ridiculous, but actually I think it's more common than we might think i there was this movie when i was a kid like that i watched when i was a kid called international velvet and the the movie you know i would not expect you to have heard of it <laughs> okay. i don't even know i think I, okay. maybe oh blockbuster video yeah. my like oh, yeah 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 uh, uh, blockbuster yeah, yeah i know right that was the thing there's gonna be you know, people listening to this are like what is that huh? um but i i think we just it was about horses and i liked horses and i think i probably saw it at seven or eight and yeah. it was about this girl. Actually, funnily enough, it was about a girl who came from Arizona oh. to England. And she, her parents had died. And her she went and basically became an Olympian at 18. And I totally caught that. Totally caught my eye. Yeah. I was like, I want to be an Olympian. A young one, too. You know, I yeah. definitely at seven or eight, like, would have seen that and was just completely captivated by yeah. it. Yeah. I do think that was a drinker, which is like a video at Blockbuster. Um, but also my parents were like, my parents were like high achieving people and mm. bo like both in, in academics and professionally in athletics. So I, I definitely, I think, I, you know, I look back and I was in a, a, I was in a family that did sports and sports were valued and praised and, and all that. And so I, I, I <clears throat> you know, um, was conditioned you could say into like what one does if one is going to live a in a positive you know i think in mostly a positive way but like um yeah just it just uh high level sport was 
the movie triggered something, but then that's my, very much my family is, is doing, you know, achieving and stuff is mm-hmm. in particularly in mm-hmm. sports, I guess. So, mm-hmm. uh, it was a really early transition. It wasn't like, Oh, I, I almost, I do practically don't remember doing it for fun, like mm-hmm. doing it. Cause I just liked it. It yeah. was a very, very short, like, Ooh, I love horses and I want to go to the Olympics in like very, very, very young age. And committed. To yeah. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 You mentioned that there was a, a piece in there. I think it was around you were deciding, like you said, people don't go to college or you either go to college or you, you go for sports, something like mm-hmm. that. And, and you're saying somewhere in there, if I heard you right, you're saying that um, you became aware of the role of the mind in performance or something like that. Yeah. I got that. For me, I was wondering, how did you do that? <laughs> it oh. doesn't seem that you stumble across that accidentally. Oh, man, I don't even know. How did I do that? I think... Uh... Well, horse sport is super technical. Like it's not something you might not think that on the outside, you know, the joke is like, doesn't the horse do all the work? You know, so people always say, and I always, I always will say like, yes, it is a sport. Like, you know, what sport did you do? I did a question sport. Yeah, I promise it's a sport, you know, yeah. and it is, it's like, it's extremely technical. It's like, in a way a little bit, like you might, you might a little bit say like gymnastics and that like where your body, how your body is balanced and positioned, um, all your millions of little skills coming together in an instant, you know, for fast, fast skills to be deployed. Um, it's super technical. You might say, I almost hate using this word, but super mental. It's a mental, people say, also, I mean, everything's mental, but if you're, um, it's, it's a sport that's dependent on, you know, being present and relaxed and allowing your automatic, like your, what you've trained into your body to flow automatically. It, um, so, so if a person is anxious or overthinking, um, or, or, um, having some self doubt, it just gets in the way of those skills flowing. So you quickly notice that at a, especially at a certain level of the sport, like, um, jumping horses in particular is, is super, intuitive i guess you'd say there's a such thing as like needing to be able to sense how much you need to adjust the horse's stride and Mm -hmm. what line you need to be on in order for that horse's stride to meet the fence Mm -hmm. at the perfect moment Mm -hmm. like it's incredibly precise Mm -hmm. so if you're in your head or overthinking something or stress you can't perceive that Mm -hmm. and then what happens if you can't perceive that is the horse meets the fence at the wrong moment in their stride Mm -hmm. and they chip or hit the fence or you stop or you fall so Mm -hmm. so it's just a it's a sport where you got to be so relaxed and tuned into the present and Mm -hmm. man you guys know like as human beings how hard it is for us to do that Mm -hmm. and um and then with horses the consequence to not being as like a fall or getting you know you get hurt or it's scary sometimes when you get that wrong so at a certain level when the fences get big enough and the horse is moving fast enough you, you just you gotta have your mental game dialed in um so i think it for me i'm trying to work out my answer to your question i think but uh for me i think it was when the fences got big enough and the speeds got fast enough that if i wasn't tuned in enough uh yeah. things got bad mm-hmm. so yeah it dovetails with a question that was in my mind at that same time i wonder uh, how you build the connection with the horse. So some of some aspect of this mental game, I would assume comes into the relationship actually to the horse and how well you both know one another. So some of the mental aspects sounds almost interconnected. I don't know oh, if yeah. that sounds weird. Or These are like, good questions. I'm like, I'm inter- making me think about this. It's good stuff to think about. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think um, 
being one thing about like when you're when you're present like one thing that's important in equestrian sport is kind of noticing what's actually happening underneath you and so i mean by that is noticing like what balance that horse is in what kind of state they're in where their level of tension is at and so you have to be flexible um and real and real about what's happening underneath you in order to have your jump round go well or whatever because horses can vary too right there's Mm -hmm. days when horses are super relaxed and listening to you and there's days when they're super tense and they're actually like eye in the their eye in their surroundings and nervous about that and sometimes if a rider isn't present and real about what's happening um they don't respond well to what's actually going on with with the horse and then um the again their their round could go badly so i guess yeah one element of equestrian sport is being um, aware of what's actually going on beneath you and what, how you might need to adapt in order to get the horse you're on that day. What I mean by the horse you're on that day is like kind of the state there and, mm-hmm. um, around the course. Um, and that sometimes that needs to change, um, day to day, depending mm-hmm. on how the horse is. And sometimes when a rider's like anxious or tense or, um, overthinking, they don't notice really realistically what's happening underneath them. And they'll, try to ride based upon some rigid plan without mm. actually being aware of the horse yeah. they're riding yeah. and how that needs to be changed. So there's a way maybe that I think that, that the um, rider's mentality needs to interact with the, with the horses. And yeah, yeah. It makes me think of like uh, mountain biking or, or maybe like snowboarding or something where if you like changed your setup, each time you rode yeah yeah it totally changed like you'd have to be super attuned early in that session yes to be aware of um yeah how your weight's going to be thrown differently or your center of balance and everything yep you know it's funny you bring up that analogy and i even think like snow conditions yeah like you know like i was thinking oh where's he where's he going with this like and i I jump to snow conditions and you're like your setup you're right but it's like you know, if it's super icy one day versus powdery another day, mm-hmm. your approach is going to be different. Yeah. But if you're, I don't know, not present and noticing that you might, who knows, not respond well or mm-hmm. make the right choices based mm-hmm. on the conditions. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's like not quite the same as snow on the horse, but yeah, conditions change. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One thought I had to and listen to you, Shannon, was it seemed that you it seemed that equestrian sport allowed for you to really develop your ability to relate to and listen to your own intuition. And that was the thing that brought you to Flagstaff. It seemed like that was the thing that led you here. Oh, man, that's cool. I, I you know, that could be that could mm-hmm. be. Um I bet it enhanced it. I bet it enhanced it. I've always been a bit of like a dreamer fairy tale kind of person though, <laughs> like, you know, belief in all that stuff. So, sure. so I think, I think, yes. So I think, um, I bet you're right. I bet you the horse sports did develop intuition. Mm-hmm. I think they also helped for me, like with reading energy mm-hmm. and, um, like, yeah, reading, reading energy, um, maybe a little bit of body language cause horses can't talk. Right. So mm-hmm. like reading body language, um, I think, I think that might have helped me mm-hmm. in this, you know, now working with mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. But I've occasionally thought to myself, like, what did horse sports do for mm-hmm. yeah. for me in in working with people? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I like you point that it that you pointed that out. That could be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Does it seem like that was the thing that sort of brought you here? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you're right. And I'm almost wondering too, kind of jumping forward again, is you were talking about coming to Flagstaff, right? And so you on your uh, very efficient trip to to Pennsylvania. <laughs> right? um, <laughs> 
as you see Flagstaff and you're driving into the town, what is it like for you? What do you, what's your first impression? Oh, then, oh man, well, I first flew in. So I'm, just, I'm trying to remember my first impression. Um, I first flew in and it was December mm-hmm. and it was snowy. And um, I just remember thinking it was cute. I remember going for a run at Buffalo Park and it was snowy and you practically couldn't see the path. And trying to do a run workout, I mean, like, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and it was cute. And friends here took me to the, like, the, the parade at uh, like December. Uh, yeah. so, so I remember thinking it was just cute, cute and community oriented. And then when did I drive in? I think I would have driven in that summer again. And it was way different. It was vibrant. Like it was so much more vibrant in the, in the summer. And I remember think really distinctly noticing the difference um, I know I hear you with the mountain, like, you know, the mountain metaphor. I think I, I think I value the mountain more now, you know, and I, I probably the first time I remember driving in from the North, I, gosh, I, um, and then that trip from Pennsylvania, I would have driven in from the North. Oh, I, you know what though? It was middle of the night. It was middle of the night, that okay. first drive in. I remember that. So I remember arriving at Walgreens mm-hmm. at 1am and Rob Carr used to work at Walgreens as a mm-hmm. pharmacist mm-hmm. and being like, Hey, surprise. <laughs> and, and, um, so yeah, but now driving in, um, yeah, the, it's such a neat beacon, isn't it? Like from whatever mm-hmm. direction you come, like you just, you start to, when you're coming from anywhere, you start to see the the mountain come into your sights and it's just it has a real comforting (laughs) moment it's a comforting moment when it appears right and Mm -hmm. it kind of brings you home and brings you in so i that's the effect it has on me i'd say reliably now it's Mm -hmm. kind of from whatever direction it's like oh made it you know like and and, yeah yeah how did it compare (laughs) so you're from vancouver lived in british columbia like See where Dan's going with yeah. this? Yeah. <laughs> it's not a real mountain. I mean, oh. <laughs> I mean it's a sacred space. So it's a sacred, yeah. sacred space to this region yeah. and to the peoples of this region. And I would not want to minimize that at all. Yeah. But in terms of like height and magnitude <laughs> and uh, yeah, it not being Range. arranged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was that like for you to to hear people talk about this massive mountain and, and be like, ah. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I honestly never remember feeling like unimpressed by it. Yeah. And I think the reason is it just, it really has a beautiful profile, yeah, yeah, you know, and you can't, yeah. you kind of like can't not admire it because yeah. it's so, it's got such a beautiful Distinct. profile, like an artistic sense, you know, like a, there's something about it also being kind of like the only mountain that's, beautiful too in a way it's like special and and but i hear you it's true like when i go back to vancouver i think what struck me more was like after spending a bunch of time here and going back to vancouver and say trail running and mm-hmm. the mountains around vancouver mm-hmm. i was almost like and even the canadian rockies bam like actually mm-hmm. bam you know or not yeah. ramp bam yeah. uh, <laughs> north of ramp yeah. I, I was more so like this is serious like i i think i i had never appreciated the ex- yeah. the extent of the mountains in British Columbia compared to it. But I, I, I have always felt like this readiness to defend Flagstaff, you know, yeah. like mountains. Yeah. And I'll find myself out there and especially like this time of year, right? When you've got the golden aspens, like mm-hmm. there's a subtle beauty about Flagstaff, like an understatedness almost mm-hmm. that I just think is you just, you gotta, it's so, you gotta respect it. And I, um, I, uh, 
I'm always like ready to, I find myself often out on those trails, like wanting to figure out how I'd explain that to, mm-hmm. to yeah. somebody in Vancouver. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, like British Columbia and Banff and stuff, it's like ranges and ranges and ranges and glaciers mm-hmm. and turquoise lakes. It's like blow your mind. Uh, it's almost, and it is, it is incredible, but I mm-hmm. think that's the part of me that just really appreciates the subtlety of the beauty and flag staff mm. in comparison, yeah. I guess. Yeah. yeah. My question, Shane, would just be what elements do you think have to be present within a person to not appreciate that mountain? <laughs> there's, there's no nuance in there's that. A- there's no ulterior motive in that Next question. question. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Someone Fair is enough. stuck in their thinking brain, clearly. Uh, I think if I go, if I, if I, if I follow that path, I think it leads yeah. to... That's but that. <laughs> no, that's that's where we're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If for Cody Lake Mary equates to those turquoise lakes that you reference, and, uh, <laughs> for me Lake Mary is great. It's great. It is not a turquoise lake. Like next to you know, you know, you know, like. I could have more humor about Lake Mary. I could. I, yeah. I, I, I could. I'll, t- I'll tell. I'll talk to people and you know, other places. And I'll be like people can't see about Lake Mary yeah. quota- in quotation <laughs> in quotation marks yeah, yeah. but I, I don't want to like it, I, I, I will I will more openly tease Lake Mary than the mountains yeah, yeah you yeah. know like more with I have that in me yeah. um but even that you know it's funny <laughs> Yeah. You, you kind of gotta tease that. You got you got tease like Mary a little bit yeah. about being a lake. Like, I, thank you. That's <laughs> been a whole thing. So I think we're one and one here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're a little bit one. But I gotta say, it's yeah. funny. I've gone out there to take pictures, and mm-hmm. um, and this is this is a you know I say this is teasing like Mary, but the, man, when there's like in I guess the lower like Mary. Then the grasses are beautiful. Mm, like the gra- the grasses yeah. in the lake yeah. are be- <laughs> beautiful. Yeah, yeah like and the, yeah. the range of colors is yeah. beautiful. Um, so you know it, it's uh, yeah. yeah. It's, Mormon Lake too. Like even though it's not a lake, right? Like I don't know if you road bike at all, but riding that road bike loop out around Mormon Lake, it really is incredible. Like all of it is really incredible. It is, yeah. It's me just giving quote. I'm trying to find weak spots for coding. Give it <laughs> time. I'm curious about your statement that Mormon is, Mormon Lake is not a lake. Well, uh, for me, I, uh, prior to living here, I had defined a lake by a <laughs> body of water, by <laughs> land that was uh, subsumed by water, yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Not, not devoid of water. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've come water to once understand once. that, in fact, a lake <laughs> means many more things than that since moving here. Yeah. Also, I didn't know a tank was a uh, was. You thought that I was just an instrument for war? tank was like, a, yeah, some <laughs> manufactured, man-made thing, construct yeah. that held water. I actually yeah. learned that tank yeah. meant, meant much more as well. Also a dry piece of land. Where once water sat. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's water occasionally. So and then you see, occasionally you're like, oh, it does yeah. get water yeah. in it. There's yeah. periods of time. <laughs> oh. It really is a oh, yeah, tank. Yeah, I can see why. Yeah, that's a tank. Yeah. <laughs> so true. cool. It's, it's been so great spending time with you and learning about your path here. I'd be curious, you know, Cody and I often, uh, we, we actually always try to ask the people that we meet with uh, how they define Flagstaff or relate to or connect to Flagstaff. So a really broad question for you, but yeah, how would you summarize that? 
Yeah, I I was thinking about I thought about this a fair bit, and I was mm-hmm. thinking about it again before coming here. It was just like I would just say Flagstaff is just it's just a good hearted place. Mm-hmm. Like people are kind to each other here, um, and I'd say personally, I I've thought about this a lot too. Um, as far as like what it's done for me, I feel like Flagstaff kind of grew me up. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm supposed to be grown up i'm 40 i'm 40 this year but but uh, quite, yeah happy birthday oh this thank year. you happy um, 40th. thank you but <laughs> i i um i honestly think like vancouver is is it is a i was born there my family's there it's just a spectacular place i just went back for canadian thanksgiving people usually laugh uh, at that hmm. <laughs> like canadian thanksgiving but um it's a beautiful never to underestimate Vancouver and everything and but it's a little bit glam you know it's a little bit they call it Hollywood North mm-hmm. um and I was so so lucky to grow up there and I was so so lucky I get I'm so lucky to be able to go back there kind mm-hmm. of at will um but it's here I feel like Flagstaff is really grounded in the right values and like humbleness and kindness and doing the the right thing pretty much all the time and looking mm-hmm. after each other mm-hmm. Even more so on this. I don't want to make this a hit on Vancouver because it's a truly a, an amazing place. Mm-hmm. I'm so mm-hmm. grateful to have been there. But I feel like Flagstaff, I've, I've had to become a better person here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, yeah. and, and I'm so grateful for it. Like, for Flagstaff, for making that have to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, so, yeah, that's what I'd say the impact of Flagstaff is. It's just, like, it's good-hearted. It's, it's got the right values. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Good hearted. Good hearted. Come on. What's the debate? Come What's on. What's the debate? Oh, no, he, he's just trying to come at me again <laughs> for lack of emotions. Um, good hearted is like a, a new one right right there. Yeah, that's yeah it sounds like it had a profound role in your life. Um, like your answer almost goes beyond just what the town is, which is cool to hear how you've connected to it or related to it for yourself and what's meant for you in your life. Yeah. 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 I think you find yourself in some really neat spaces, right? In Flagstaff even, and that are probably different than anywhere in the entire world. Yeah. Yeah. Even, and and like, and like different, different in terms of like scenery, but also just the choices people make. Mm -hmm. Like, like I, I, there's just, just, just a hair more, it's like a hair more selfishness and ambition. (laughs) (laughs) Like like in Vancouver, in Vancouver. And, And it's just like, here you just you just don't make choices that are selfish and ambitious. Mm. You know, you here you make choices that serve the community mm, and yeah. um, are for you know they're just like capital G good choices. Mm-hmm. And I I um, feel like that like that's been the impact on me that Flagstaff has made. And I you know I still still butt up against my some of yeah. my selfish ambitious sides. And I'm like whoa okay not here yeah. no yeah. like you gotta make it <laughs> gotta make a different choice. You gotta see this from a, through a different lens. Yeah. Um, and Flagstaff has enabled like has enabled that I would say. Cool. So yeah yeah. Well, yeah. how fortunate is Flagstaff to have you in this area? It's so cool to listen to your work and you describe it. What a benefit. What a benefit for NAU to have you teaching there as well. Yeah. If you're a student at NAU, you need to go look for that performance class. Good now. night. What are you doing over Write there? a letter. Write a letter. Write a letter. Send it carrier pigeon yeah. direct to President Cruz. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. We, yeah. Need so this, like, we need this course. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. It's a hard one. I have yeah. all sorts of respect for I'm sure the heads of departments who right now are like, no, Shannon, you can't have that course again. I try, I try, I tried again a week ago, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But it would be really nice for it to be available. And I, I do think if it was more easily found, people would sign up. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, maybe in the future. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yep. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you yeah. both. Thank Thanks you so for much, having me. And it's good to meet you both too. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's a pleasure to meet you guys. Yeah. Well, take care. Thanks, you too. Boom. After a brief hiatus, we back. We back. We back. Shannon left Le Chateau. Shannon just uh, exited. What a phenomenal experience, huh? No doubt. The interview was great. I also really enjoyed the times between our interview, like before and after, where we just get to kind of talk a little bit. Yeah. You know, yeah, so yeah, it was yeah. fun hanging with Shannon in the lobby of Beyond the Pines and yeah, yeah just talking about Flagstaff and running and yeah. all, everything. Yeah. Like on that intro, I pretended like I knew a lot about three-day eventing. Yeah. And I just learned that in talking to her before <laughs> before we started the interview. Oh, man. I, you fooled me. <laughs> Did I? Because you were there for yeah. all parts of that conversation. Oh, man. Was I? <laughs> when you say I was there, my body may have been in the Jeez. room. There um, we go. Come on now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but man, what a, what a great interview. What were some of the things that stuck with you in, yeah. in our time with Shannon? I've got to tell you straight up. Um, yeah. I bullet point in some areas of interest, hmm. like um, like her work with Angela Duckworth, the work yeah, yeah, that yeah. she does on the critical challenge moment for athletes, mm-hmm. even what she does with the ramp, yeah. um, which I'm sorry, Shannon, if you want us not to use that, because uh, you're going to... It's getting used in our own clinical yeah, work going forward. You're going to yeah. uh, rebrand it somehow. <laughs> Let us know if you do the rebranding and we'll update. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, man, I like, I would have loved to learn more about it, even about yeah. her path. I would have loved to learn. So I felt like there was so much more, but it was engaging to sit with her because she did such a good job mm-hmm. of communicating about various aspects of her work or various aspects of her personal experience. Yeah. I would say the thing that stuck out to me was actually, um, and this is cringy to have to admit that it was a point you made. Mm. (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Talk more about me. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Uh, Stop right there. No, it was really cool when you, when you put together and kind of asked Shannon about how perhaps learning how to be focused and dialed and paying attention to you and the course and the horse in sport mm. helped her to follow a path that was somewhat circuitous to this professional route that she's now in and the yeah. professional role that she's now in. Yeah. And, um, and I thought, yeah, I thought, yeah, that's real evidence of connection to self, right? Is you have mm. to learn how to pay attention to what the right decision is moment to moment. And then even in the bigger picture, yeah. looking at different periods and seasons of your life, what's, what's the direction you're going and, and what feels like the right direction to go. So a real good example of paying attention to that intuition that she likely honed mm. or talked about potentially honing in her sport. Yeah. Yeah. Through her training and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seemed that she mentioned intuition a few times in the interview and mm-hmm. it just kind of stuck out. I was thinking like, oh, this is something that, yeah, seems natural for her. Yeah. 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 And then by no accident, she found herself in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was fun for me to listen to her talk about like how it was both the thing to do and not to do, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like there's this conventional approach that people are supposed to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And then there's like kind of the follow your intuition. Yeah. Was, what did, what do you make of that? Like, yeah. uh, that there's, there's a way that you're supposed to end up where she's at. Yeah. Well, that's probably just some sort of norm, right? Yeah. That's yeah. Constructed somewhere and kind of been created as this is what you do as you get older you know, you go in degree, 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 or mm-hmm. job, job and land there in a career and then stay there for your life sort of thing. Um, and so she kind of bucked against that. I thought by just sort of like following her intuition, listening to her talk about going from Vancouver to 
Philadelphia, was it? By mm. way of Flagstaff. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what'd you say? A to B? Or, a yeah, to Z, a to then Z, to B. Then to B, yeah. yeah. So true. It was like, yeah. But it seemed like there was this natural, something that felt really compelling within her, this natural pull to Flagstaff also that she just kind of had to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I was thinking, you know, another point I had in an interview was like, <laughs> you find yourself in these really cool spaces, you know, mm-hmm. like Flagstaff's good hearted. And she was talking about values and thinking like, yeah, those are all really relevant. And that intuition led her to hypo two, mm-hmm. you know, it led her to NAU to be able to teach, to work mm-hmm. with elite athletes and mm-hmm. division one athletes and that sort of thing. Um, and so she finds herself there, not by accident, by her own, following her own intuition. Mm-hmm. These really neat, neat places mm-hmm. that are yeah. unique. And it was through effort, right? Like, uh, so what yeah. she was putting out into the world came back to her. Yeah. So, so she ended up in good places, um, because of what also she was engaging and putting herself out into. Yeah, for sure. And so I think like, I don't know, just sitting there with her, she just seems like she puts out good stuff, mm-hmm. right? Like sitting mm-hmm. with her is just such a positive vibe and a great energy mm-hmm. and fun person to be around. Mm-hmm. So think naturally yeah look at what she's producing in Mm -hmm. the world Mm -hmm. yeah she's creating for sure so she ends up in this place that she defines as having a good heart Mm. um which you put into contrast with me as a person with a (laughs) a heart (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) in the very literal sense yeah in the very literal sense yeah so I think in that line, when Shannon describes Flagstaff as having a good heart, it's good hearted. I think like, yeah, she's contributing to that good heart, which was that your middle finger? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. We so, had some fun in that interview too. I feel like we got to raise yeah. each other a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> You're coming hard there. Coming hard <laughs> at my lack of emotions. <laughs> Your disdain for Lake Mary. Yeah. 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 Well, she sided with me on that one. Yeah. I, I yeah. tried to introduce the comparison of like a mountain range to the couple of peaks here in Flag. And she, she sided with you, man. Yeah. 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 Uh, yes and no. She was very diplomatic. She was very diplomatic. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Kudos to her for that. Yeah. yeah. And great energy, right? Such great energy. Absolutely. That was a ton of fun. Yeah. yeah. And so I think for people, if they ever want to find Shannon, you can find her at the Hypo2 website. Yeah. Well, why don't you take us out by shouting us out? No doubt. Always find us on those interwebs, beyondflag.com, flag spelled. F-L-G. And then same with the Insta-G and the Twitter feed. Um, man, we are just less than active on those joints, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but we're there. Well, it depends on how you define active socially, because yeah. I think we're very active. <laughs> Just by being enrolled. That's a good point. Yeah, we are extremely active just by the virtue of showing up and having an account on Instagram. You can find us beyond underscore flag and at the Twitter feeds beyond underscore flag as well. Yeah. Well, take care. In the meantime, love ease.